Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to temporarily don my uh, obligatory Canadian hat here. If you noticed all my kids, go Canada. Um, I'm not saying like go away, just go Canada. Uh, <laughs> all of my kids, uh, four of my four of my five kids were born there in Canada, and uh, so uh, the majority of our family is Canadian. So I, in honor of our Canadian brothers and sisters, including my <coughs> kids, uh, wish them a happy Canada Day. It's July 1st is their day that they declare something. Not really sure what they declared, but they declared something on July 1st, some kind of quasi-independence from, uh, from Great Britain, but we are grateful for them. And uh, we got to go out last night and watch the uh, fireworks in Greer as well. Three separate sets of uh, finales. It was kind of cool to see from the top of a car, from beside our car in, in the, in the hotspot parking lot. So... If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 4, uh, one other follow-up note from Aaron's announcements. Uh, Jim Donahue, who, if you got to watch the Proclaim video series, uh, he, he helped put that, that video series together. He was the main teacher in that series. It's a series to help to equip the saints to minister in evangelism. Went through that in our church about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, he is coming this, this coming Sunday. He's going to be with us on Saturday night as well. If you have uh, an interest in evangelism, if you, would, if you believe you've been gifted in evangelism, you, you'd like to pursue evangelism, you'd like our church to grow in evangelism, if you'd like to attend kind of a Q&A time with him, dessert, coffee, and fellowship, um, if you would go to the table that says hospitality, there will be a sign-up for you. So if you're interested in attending that time, a Q&A say, uh, with, with uh, Jim to say, hey, how can we start... How can we start practicing evangelism kind of in a grassroots way. Not big programs, but how do we carry that out? How can you help equip us to help carry that out in our care groups, in our communities, and the like? So that's going to be the focus of the time. Go to the hospitality table, sign up for that today as well. Make sure that you let them know you're not signing up for hospitality. Otherwise, they're going to ask you to bake some bread or something. Um, But let them know that you want to come to the evangelism time Saturday night. Um, The venue is TBD, depending on how many people we have respond. So turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 4. We're just going to read a very short verse, 10 and 11. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. This is God's word. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that to you do belong all glory and dominion forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, that not only do glory and dominion belong to you, that you are now Lord of our lives, of all those who have placed their trust, their faith, their hope in you. You are now our Lord, our Master. You've made us worshipers of you. You've redeemed us. You've bought us for the price. You've made us new. You've given us new desires. You've made us a new creation. 
You give us your Holy Spirit and enable us to love you, honor you, obey you, and serve you. And Father, thank you that we get to worship you with our lives. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us hear from you, that you would help me preach and help all those who are here to listen. Lord, may we not just listen to hear, though, Lord. May we all listen to you, God, so that we might apply, so that we might be seen as your disciples, not just in word, but in deed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I know that many of you enjoy stories by C.S. Lewis. I'm a big fan as well. Um, one of my favorites is, was what started at his beginning in, the, in this series uh, about Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, and one of those stories is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And if you've read the story, you know that these children, they go through the wardrobe, they go into this unknown land, they're largely unprepared. They, 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 they don't have the, the necessary tools, they're ill-equipped, they're ill-prepared children. They find themselves in wintertime. They, they don't have the tools, the equipment, the things they need to, to survive there. But they're led along the way. And as, as they're going along, there's one moment in the story where they're given, unexpectedly, they're given gifts. Um, does anybody remember that? They're, they're given different gifts in the story where Peter, who later becomes the high king of Narnia, he, he receives a sword and a shield that he uses to fight evil. And Susan, she receives a bow and an arrow and... And a magical horn that will summon help wherever it's blown. And Susan, she loses the horn later when Mogram, Mogram attacks her. And, then, and Peter, he, he wields his sword for the first time to, to save Lu- Susan's life and he slays a wolf. And Lucy receives a dagger and, and a magical vial that restores health. And she uses that later to save the life of her brother, Edmund, who had been mortally wounded. Every, every child was given a gift. It was a practical gift. Every, every gift was perfectly tailored and suited to that child's demeanor, temperament, and, and what their abilities and the size of the child. Susan, a small child, couldn't, couldn't wield a heavy sword, but she was given a vial. And, I'm sorry, uh, Lucy was the smallest one, right? She was given a vial. And, and, and Susan, um, she was given a bow and an arrow, a lighter weapon, but still a weapon nonetheless. And Every one of them was given different gifts based on their abilities and the roles that they play in Narnia. And and all those gifts that were given to them to carry out the roles that they were going to be called to do. Even though they didn't know what those were going to look like or what those were going to be. And, And I love how that's really a parallel of how God gives each of us gifts. In this verse it says that God has given to each of us, to each and every one of his children. The children of the daughters of Adam and Eve. And the sons of Adam and Eve. Um, He's given to each and every one of his children gifts. Different gifts. And those those gifts vary based on our temperament and our abilities and our roles. And and what we're going to be called to do. Even though we don't know what we're going to be called to do or face. He knows perfectly what we need. And he he knows what suits us best. And he's, he's given us all kinds of gifts. And those gifts are not meant to be used for ourselves. Just like. Those gifts that were given to the children in Narnia, they weren't to be used for themselves to admire what a beautiful sword this is and, and keep it in a sheath or what a pretty vial this is and, and to keep it uncorked. Those gifts were meant to be used to serve others for, for the good of, that time, Aslan's people. But God has given us gifts to be used to serve for the good of his people. And this morning, the main idea that we're going to pack from this, unpack from this text is it's is that we've all been given gifts. We've all been given gifts from God 
to serve one another by his grace and for his glory. We've, been, we've all been given gifts. Not one of you can say you haven't been given a gift. Unlike in that story, Edmund was not given a gift. He was not following Aslan at the time. Um, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been made a son and a daughter, you've all been given gifts from God. And those gifts have been given to serve one another by His grace, enabled by His grace, and for His glory. We've all been given gifts to serve one another by His grace and for His glory. And the first point we're going to pack, it just comes directly from the text this morning. And the text says, as each has received a gift. As each has received a gift as good stewards of God's very grace. So our first point this morning is that we all have received gifts from God. We've all received gifts from God. The word used here for gifts, it's, it's charisma. And the reason why I draw attention to that is the same word that charis, which is used, is grace. See, these gifts are an expression of God's very grace, as it says in this verse. They're an expression of God's grace to you and to me. And any gift that you have, it's, it's not something you've done on your own. Even though we can cultivate and mature and grow gifts, all the gifts that we've received are gifts of God's grace, His favor. These, these are gifts that we receive without any merit of our own. We didn't earn the gifts we've been given. You know, sometimes we can become proud about the gifts that God's given us, but, but really, a gift is something you can't, you can't earn. It's given to you freely by God's favor, by His grace. And, 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 I, and I love that. The gifts that we've received, they're because of the favor of God. They don't depend on any merit of our own. And that's really good news. So, so no one is gifted can say that they earned it, even if you cultivate it. It's a gift to begin with. And the gifts that have been given, they've been given to enable us to serve the body of Christ. And they're due to the divine power of grace that's operating in you and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You ever gotten a gift that you couldn't wait to use, that you couldn't wait to try out? You ever gotten something that, that you're really excited about? Could be something small, could be something large. This past Father's Day, I was given a gift that I was excited about. It doesn't seem big to most people. It might seem like an old man gift. I got, I got a, a croquet set. I, I, I really enjoy croquet. If you've never played croquet, don't knock it. It's not as dull and boring as it looks. You get to hit other balls and send them off the field. It's, it's aggressive. It's aggressive sports. Requires athletic prowess, focus. You have to have skill in sending the balls to the wickets. I was excited about getting the gift. I, I wanted to use it to have fun, to enjoy for myself. But really, most of all, I've got five kids, one of which can't play for a few years because he's too small. But I've got four kids who, who like to play croquet too. They don't know your guy's opinion of croquet. right? I, I can tell you're judging me already that you think croquet is not a manly sport. It's, it's a very manly. It's got wooden mallets and, and balls and you hit them and... And so uh, my, my kids love to play croquet. I was looking forward not just to this gift so I could play it myself, but so that I could, my kids could enjoy it as well and so that um, they could use it and, and have fun and make memories with the gift that I've been given. And we've been given gifts from God to enjoy them. You know, we, we're not just meant to say, I have this gift and I have to serve with it. No, God's given us gifts for us personally to enjoy, but that's not enough if we leave it there. 
You see, it would be wrong if we had a gift and we didn't share that gift. It would be wrong if we had a gift and just enjoyed it ourselves and said, you know, I'm talented musically, but I'm not going to share this with anybody else. It's not what gifts are used for. You see, gifts are to be used much like if you've ever been to the Smithsonian Institute, they have the Hope Diamond. And you go there and you can see the Hope Diamond on display. It's this large diamond and it's just brilliant. If the person who bought that last didn't share that, you wouldn't see the beauty of it. I and mean, really, our gifts are meant to reflect and to show the beauty of God. That we're meant to enjoy them ourselves. And we're meant to share that enjoyment with others. We're meant to share those gifts and to serve others. Not neglecting those gifts. Just sitting them on the shelf. That's not why we're given them. They're meant to be used. And, but let's not narrowly define. Sometimes we can narrowly define gifts, right? We can assume that... Because we have an ability in an area, that's not a God-given gift or a talent. But you see, God doesn't define his gifts so narrowly. I, I love in Exodus with, when, um, when he's describing the temple. And, and it, it can seem like, why in the world is he describing this? But in, in Exodus 28.3, God is talking to Moses. And God says to Moses, he says, You shall speak to all the skillful. And listen to this closely. So all the skillful, any skill, all the skillful. Whom I have filled with the spirit of skill. Maybe you're a carpenter. Maybe you're, you're a baker. Um, I, I love in, in this account, it's talking about sewing and metalwork and woodwork. And, and then don't narrowly define our gifts. Whatever gifts and abilities you have, they've been given to you by God. God has filled you with his spirit and enabled you to have those gifts. Whether it's writing or business or music or whatever those gifts are, he fills his people with a spirit of skill. They've all been given by his spirit as an expression of his grace. You've been given gifts by God. That's not the question. You have been given gifts. This, this verse doesn't ask, hey, if, if you have received, it says to each, because all of you, all of you have received gifts from God. What's in question is, do you recognize that? Do you recognize that you've been given gifts by God? That every talent, ability, and skill you have is a gift by God to be used for Him and for His glory. To be used to serve Him. Any talent, any ability, any resource. Your family, your friends, every good thing in your life. It's a gift from God to be employed in His service. Do you recognize that? God's given everybody these gifts as expressions of His grace. But our gifts will vary. Just like those children in Narnia. Those gifts varied dramatically. You know, I bet Lucy was wondering, What? I get this vial of liquid? He gets a sword. Susan gets a bow and arrow. Those seem so much cooler. But yet, she didn't know that that gift would revive her brother and bring him to life. All gifts are valuable and they vary. It means doing our part with the gifts that we've been given and relishing the fact that we need each other. We've all been given, dif- given different gifts, but we shouldn't think that ours or somebody else's is less important. Look in In Romans 12, verses 3 to 7, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts, having gifts that differ According to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. 
Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and our serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let us use them. Let's not resent the gifts we've been given or belittle the gifts from somebody else. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 17 and 18, it says, the whole body were an eye. Where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Don't despise the gifts you've been given. Don't envy the gifts of somebody else. God's given you those gifts for a reason. Even if they might seem small, like that vial, or insignificant now, you don't know how God plans to use and prepares you to use those gifts so that he might use your gifts to save the life of another. I'm not talking physically, although that's impressive. More impressively, he might use your gifts to bring people to him. No gift too small. No gift given to the body of Christ is insignificant. I was thinking about in our own body. God's given us so many different gifts. You know, you can overlook those things. We're so grateful for the gifts we've been given in the body. I love the diversity. Just, just take a second and just look around at the diversity. You can crank your head around. Go ahead, look around. It's okay. You can look at people. We have, we have a lot of diversity, different types of people, backgrounds, walks of life, socioeconomic backgrounds, statuses, education levels. God's given us different gifts, and we look different. Some of us are funnier looking than others. I was thinking about just gifted people, and I'm not looking at anybody specific right now. So <laughs> It was in my notes. I should always stay in my notes. I was just thinking about so many different gifts that you might think, oh, this isn't a big deal. You know, like I can sew. You know what? God highlighted that in Exodus as those who are skillful in sewing. Let me have them sew in the tabernacle. You know, in our own body, I was thinking about, there's a gifted young woman in our church, Eileen McDaniel. She's gifted in cooking and baking. And and she said, you know, I'm not sure what I can do, but I can bake bread. Um, You know what? So why don't... Why don't I, she, she looked for a need, she goes, in the next few weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start baking bread every week, and I'm going to give it out to folks who are visiting with us, and as, as a way of serving and just welcoming the guests. So anybody who's visiting with us the first time, I don't, I don't think we have it yet, by the way, but in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at doing that, just practical ways of serving. Just, you know, it might seem small, but all gifts are important and valuable, and every part of the body is significant, each gift makes a difference. Now, you might not be aware this morning where your gifts lie. I understand that. Just just think for a moment, okay, where is anything that, I can, that I'm somewhat good at? Is there anything that I have any ability in? That's your gift from God. That's a gift from the Lord. It doesn't have to be these huge things. You see, we can, we can, over, we can over-define the gifts as well, too. And say that it has to look this way. And I, You know, I'm not a great public speaker. Or I can't play like, like uh, Eric span can on the guitar and I can't or I can't play piano like Danny no um, our gifts don't have to be defined as these broad public things they can be any area that you're good at that God's giving you talent and skills and abilities and he's asking you use them use those things the point of this verse is not just we've been given gifts we've been given gifts as stewards it says as stewards of God's varied grace, as stewards of his grace. So what does that mean? We're, we're called stewards. A couple weeks ago, if you remember, three weeks ago, 
We talked about our lives as worship. Do you remember that? We talked about our lives as worship. All of our life is to be lived as worship. Two weeks ago, we focused on the fact that true disciples are stewards. And last week, we talked about how true disciples are called to love one another. So that's why this week, okay, we start off all of life is to be lived as worship. We're called to be stewards. We're called to love one another. How do we, how do, we do those things? How do we do those things practically? How do you put legs on those things? It's, we serve one another. It's an expression of our worship to God. It's an expression of the fact that we're stewards of our master. It's an expression of our love for one another. It's serving one another. This week, that's why we're talking about the gifts and serving, because it's a natural outflow of, of worship, of stewardship, of loving one another. Practically, if you say you love one another, you'll see it by what you do. You'll see it in how you serve. Our thinking really needs to be reoriented to God's word. And all of our lives, every little part, we lived as worship. And he's made us stewards and he's poured out his love on us. And he, he loved us first and he's called us to love him in response. And then we can see that in how we serve God and one another. And so we're talking about serving one another. Next week, we're going to hear from Jim Donahue about how do we practically then serve and love the world. So it's not just, not limited to here, but let's not ignore what Scripture calls us to serve one another, love one another. And then now next week we're going to look at what does it look like to love the world? What does it look like to serve the world the most? So the question is, if, if God has made all of us stewards of his varied grace, that's what it says. He's made us stewards of his varied grace. When do we serve? How long are we stewards? How long are we stewards of his grace? Well, we learned a couple weeks ago that we're stewards until when? Until the master returns. You are stewards of his grace and the gifts that he's given until the master returns. And, and that's not happened. That's not happened. And so we are to continually be living as stewards until the master returns. And I like the word steward here because it, it kind of has the connotation of manager or superintendent. You've been given gifts to manage, to superintend, to look after. But they don't belong to you. They belong to him. So you're keeping them temporarily, you're using them temporarily so that others might benefit. You enjoy them personally, you share them with others, and all of this is done for the glory of God. It implies they're not just to be used for us. We enjoy those things, but ultimately it's to be used to love God by serving others. I love in, in Philippians 2, 5-7, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. How do you define yourselves? Disciple of Jesus Christ is a servant. Disciple of Jesus Christ is a servant. And that's a theme, not just in the New Testament, the Old Testament as well, but we see that Jesus himself came as a servant. He commissioned Paul as a servant. He, he came, Jesus told Paul, he says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting in Acts 26, 15. He says, now get to your feet. For I've appeared to you to appoint you as my servant. Jesus was defined as a servant. Paul was called to be a servant. I love the, the various places in the New Testament. In Titus 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, servant of God. 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant. Revelation 1.1, 1, 1, his servant John. James 1.1, 1, 1, James, a servant of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude 1.1, 1, 1, 
Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. And it's something to note with both James and Jude there. They were brothers of Jesus. But they didn't define themselves as saying, you know what, we're proud because we're brothers of the Messiah. No, you know what? We're not worthy to be called that. We're, we want to be known as servants. We want to be known as servants. And then Revelation 15.3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Oh, this isn't just a New Testament thing. This is an Old Testament thing as well. And then Joshua, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we're all servants. We're stewards of God's varied grace. So the question is, what are we called to do as servants of the grace that we've received? We're called to minister. You're called to minister with your gifts. Does that mean that you're supposed to get up here and speak on Sunday mornings? Or No, you're called to actually do the work of ministry. We're called to be servants of God's varied grace. And, and I love it. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And the second point we're going to look at in our passage is that we minister with our gifts. Is that we minister with our gifts... In order to serve one another. We minister with our gifts to serve one another. He says, use it. Whoever's received a gift, use it to serve one another. And look down for a minute. You see where it says, whoever serves. Whoever serves. That word is not just used for serving tables or washing dishes. That word, it really has the, the meaning of, of ministering. Whoever ministers. Whoever, whoever attends to anything. That may serve another's interest. To, to minister a thing to one. To serve one by supplying anything. Whoever serves. Whoever ministers. Here's how you're to minister. Here's how you're to serve. Imagine if you were able to create the most beautiful music. And maybe you are. If you could paint this wonderful, incredible art. If you could write masterpieces. That would make C.S. Lewis look like a novice. If you could do those things and yet you never shared them. If no one ever heard the music. If no one ever saw the art. If no one ever read your writing. It would be a waste of the gifts that they weren't shared and nobody else benefited. Wouldn't it be? You think, what a shame. What a shame. No matter how great the gifts would be wasted if they didn't benefit somebody else. They wouldn't be that great of gifts if they weren't shared. If they weren't ministering. If they weren't shared with other people. You wouldn't think Van Gogh was a great artist if you never saw his work. He wouldn't be. He had talent, but it would have been wasted. You see, our gifts were meant to benefit others. Beethoven and Mozart. What, what gifts from God, really, that music and and by the way, it's not relegated to classical music. Don't get the wrong notion. I'm not just a fan of classical music. I like rock. I like all kinds of styles. Jazz, blues. I was listening to some, some, uh, some jazz this morning. So um, all, all kinds of gifts, all kinds of things are meant to be shared with other people for their benefit. We're meant to serve God with our gifts by serving other people. They're not just primarily meant for us. We're meant to enjoy them. We're meant to grow in them. We're meant to cultivate them and share them with other people. We're to minister to others, recognizing God's at work in us. And as we serve other people with our gifts, it implies humility. It doesn't leave room for boasting. You see, these, these gifts, you didn't make them. You can only cultivate them. So why do we serve? Why do we serve? He says we serve one another because we've been set free, really. Think about the message of the New Testament. Why do we serve? 
We serve because we've been set free. We've been given His grace, His favor. It's an expression of our love for one another. In Galatians 5.13, it, it expresses what does love look like? Last week, we talked about loving one another. True disciples love one another. What does that look like? This week, it's for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. And no serving is insignificant. I, I, I like in, in Matthew 10.42, Jesus is saying, he says, whoever gives one of these little ones, talking about children, even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple. Truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. No serving, even a cup of cold water to a kid. No serving is insignificant. And we're to serve each other with humility. In Matthew 23, 11, it this is the greatest among you should be a servant. Mark 9, 35. If anyone to be the first, he must be last of all and servant of all. In order to serve one another, it means we must get to know one another, though, doesn't it? You have to find out where we can serve each other. Find out where there are needs. And don't wait until you're asked. Don't sit back and say, I wish our church did this. Do that. It means we need to do our part using the gifts we've been equipped with by God. In Ephesians 4, it says we're to grow up in every way into him who's the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So where can you serve one another in a local body? Where has God placed you? What you thinking about that right now? Where has God placed you in this local body? What are you able to do? We need people in, in more overtly identified areas of service. And we have an opportunity for that. That actually didn't generate this message. But as we were talking about this message this morning, we thought, hey, what a great idea. Why don't we just let people apply this right away and start signing up for areas and start getting people thinking about how can we see this as our church? We can contribute. We can be a part. And so we have some areas, overt areas of service, but let's not limit it to that. But we, we have overt areas of service that you can minister in and we need to help sustain and maintain ministry. We have opportunities for that. And there's all kinds of opportunities. There's countless people serving every week in Grace Kids. And if you are a member of our church, and by the way, we, we only have members do Grace Kids it's because we want to keep them safe. And we also want to make sure that you're teaching the same thing that we would believe as well. And so, um, but we could use more of our church members to serve in Grace Kids. And by the way, we, some people have asked, well, why do you only have um, people serving like every so many weeks. Why don't you have them on for like a month or two months or whatever? The reason why we do this, we want to serve the whole broad congregation because if we only had parents serving at Grace Kids, they wouldn't get to be in the message every week. And if we did had them serving five weeks in a row or eight weeks in a row, then you're going to miss out on fellowship and forsake assembling together. And so what do we do? We, we don't have the most gifted people. And we have some really gifted people in Grace Kids. And um, we're, we're grateful for that. But you know what I'm grateful for? That we have a bunch of people serving who can just use the gifts they've been given. And they can serve. And we have seven or eight week rotation, most of the classes. And, and that's really to serve so that people can hear the message. So, so that really, the ultimately, it's going to serve the kids the best if mom and dad are loving God more. And hearing God's word and worshiping. And that's what's ultimately going to serve the kids even more. Then, you know what? We have the most phenomenal teachers. You can just, the kids are wowed every time. But you know what? My kids every Sunday, what I love, with that, we just have faithful servants. My kids every Sunday, we talk about, um, we talk about grace, because what did you learn? And every Sunday, I, I, no matter who's the teacher, they're, they're learning stuff. 
they're learning stuff. So it's serving them. We have Grace Kids and um, and, and um, another area is music, as Aaron mentioned, not just Sunday morning, but in care group or tech team, or we'd like to have a, a, a chorus one time, one day, you know, that kind of thing, a choir, and, um, you know, but also it doesn't automatically mean that we're going to use you in the way that you, you desire, that you, maybe you think you're gifted, because sometimes we have, we think we have gifts that may not be the same level that we think we have them, right? So, so um, if you heard me singing, you, you wouldn't want me up there, but I think I have a great voice. Um, but it's it's a good it's a good shower voice really, um, and so somebody needs to help me with that and say Matt, hey man that's awesome you can serve your family all right that's an area you can serve in and maybe you can we'll find another area of ministry for you so if you if any area of ministry you want to serve in by the way and people say you know what I love your heart it may not be the area you're most gifted and we can we can receive that with humility and say you know what maybe maybe we can just serve wherever God has us so we can just trust the Lord you know so not just not just music and Grace kids and, and those other areas. And God may have, have gifted you in other areas. We have set up. We've got a couple teams that could use more folks. We could use folks in greeting and in ushering, like Aaron mentioned. We have countless other really... Well, let's not limit it to those things, though, okay? We have hundreds of ways because we have hundreds of people here. We have about 300 people that come every Sunday morning. You have, you have 300 different people you can serve. 299, Okay. I love just ways that don't have to be official. That they don't. Those ways can be extremely effective in serving the body of Christ. I was, I was thinking about some of those ways. Matt Hall came up to me a while back. He said, "You know, hey Matt, we're not. You, you guys aren't really that good about letting people know um, uh, about when somebody's sick, and that you can let the care group know, but not everybody else doesn't know. We want to pray for them. We want to be able to know. We want to, we want to spread the word about people who." who need prayer, we need to improve communications, let them know about other things. And so what did he do? He, he said, you know what, so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recruit and organize people. And what if we pick people who are not care group leaders to be the people to communicate in those care groups? I thought, oh, wonderful, please go for it. Please go for it. That's a way to practically serve prayer chain. Um, Susanna Johnson, months and months ago, saw that we needed to pray for our church, and she had a passion for that. She started a prayer group on Sunday mornings. It, it's kind of, it wasn't, not everybody's attending, so we realized, boy, we probably should announce that better. And um, Adam Bell came forward and said, you know what, we probably could use some structure for that. And so together on Sunday mornings, they've been coordinating prayer times. And, and we need folks to serve in prayer. I, there's a single gal, Krista Carter. She saw a need for those who happen to be single and those who happen to be married to have fellowship together. And so she did something about it. She started recruiting folks to host singles in their homes to have fellowship with, with each other. And by the way... Um, Singles are not some homogenous group that all look, act, think, and feel the same way. Just in case you're wondering. Just like married people aren't all the same. Even though I'm, I'm sure you know, you're tempted to think that you are. You're, you're not all the same. And, um, so even though that singles might have families here, they're all just they're fellow members here trying to figure out how, what does it look like to love God, to serve God, to glorify God in the season of life that they're in, just like you are. Whatever season you find yourselves in. So think about that. You have opportunities to serve singles not by relating to them as if they're different. They just aren't married. And that's okay. And some of them, um, that's exactly what God has for them, maybe for the long term. And, and all of them is where God has them right now. So how can you cherish people who are not like you, not in your season of life? How can you serve them? How can you serve your fellow adult members, recognizing their contributions and by the way, let's not have a segregated society in any part of our church, right? Let's not have let's not let's not group up and have cliques. Let's serve each other. 
Not everybody's going to be outgoing. Not everybody's going to be cool or dressed a certain way. Let's reach out and serve people who are not like us. Maybe you find that somebody's on the outside of a conversation at the church picnics next week. What a great chance to say, you know what? They're sitting by themselves. Let me go and serve their interests and not my own. And go talk to them and, and show God's love to them. They, they may be difficult to talk to. Great. Go serve them. There's, there's all kinds of really just small and practical needs. We, a lot of, we have a lot of needs in our church. We're not perfect. That's good. That's good. Because that provides opportunities for us to serve and to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't come to those who were perfect. He came to those who needed help. He came to those who needed to be served. He came as a servant of us. We're not perfect. We've got a lot of areas to grow in. The, the, the biggest area I think we need to continue to change and to grow in is to have all of us to see this as our church. For all of us to say, yeah, we know we're not perfect. And that's okay. Um, we're we're going to make a difference. Not proudly, but quietly. We're going to serve. We're going to serve faithfully. We're not going to serve expecting to get in return. We're going to serve humbly. It's people who say, I, I don't need to lead. I don't need official or public areas of ministry serving. I just want to use the gifts that God's given me and I'm going to serve. You know, often we can get disappointed when our gifts aren't used the way we think they should be. Often we can be proud and think our gifts aren't being recognized and used the way we want to be because we really aren't looking to serve others. Sometimes we're looking to serve ourselves with our gifts. To draw attention to ourselves. Often we're, we're called to serve, serve in the shadow of obscurity, though. That's a hard place at times. It means to seek to serve others through our gifts and trust God to make a way. And you may not think you can serve this morning. You may not be aware of how to serve. I want to encourage you. Are you good at anything? You may not even think you're good at anything. Can you do anything at all? Great. Start serving there. Start serving there. Can you weed whack? Can you mow lawns? Can you organize? Maybe somebody else can be served by that. Can you shop for bargains? There's a gal in our church I know who's, um, she's really good at, at clipping coupons. And so what does she do? She, she gets all this stuff and then she gives it, most of it away and blesses people with it. That's a, that's a way to practically serve. She's good at shopping for bargains. She serves the church. That's really cool. Can you hold a door? Most people can hold a door, right? Um, I, I love seeing, like, I think it's Tyler, right? Tyler Torok, I think, at the back. Look at that, man, back there. You can look back there. You can turn around. Yeah, he is a youth, but he's a member too. And he can serve. And that's cool. And he's, he serves holding the door for folks. And he's back there, not because he's fooling around. He's back there because when, when folks come out and moms with kids go out, sometimes it's loud and they can't close the door because they're holding the baby and the baby's screaming. And so they go out, so he opens the door, shuts it quietly. So you can all listen and not be as distracted, right? That's a practical way to serve. And, and youth, let me just talk to you for a minute. You've been given gifts. But you haven't been given those gifts to be selfish. To indulge yourselves with them. You've been given gifts to serve. And one of the practical ways you can start serving is it's in your home. You don't want to hear that, but it's in your home. Your, your first one another is right there. Your parents, your siblings taking responsibility at home. Our culture says that you're young and you can't do much and much is not expected of you. Let's just destroy that. 
Let's destroy that low expectation, the unbiblical expectation. You see, as, as Christians, we should say no to that idea that youth and young people and people who have been called according to God's grace have been gifted at a young age even. They can, they can be seriously working and growing and cultivating maturing gifts so God can use you more effectively. Youth, don't aim low. Aim high for, for what God has called you to do and start serving like other young guys like there's a young guy who, who comes on most Sunday mornings, Chandler Cunningham, and he comes and he's, I think he's 13 years old, and he comes faithfully to help set up every Sunday morning. And That's an example. How, how can, how's God calling us to serve one another? We're not, we're not looking in the church to start a whole lot of new programs. Programs, why is that? And you're wondering, well, I th- we don't we need to do a lot of things? Well, maybe, but not right now. You know why? Because, because programs have a tendency to discourage Individual ownership. They have a, they have a tendency to discourage people from looking at themselves and saying, you know what, I'm, there's a need and I need to fill it because I don't see anybody else doing it. That's a good thing. And maybe this morning, if, if you're seeing a need in the body, you're thinking, we don't do this. Maybe God's saying, you should be doing that. Without demanding that things go our own way or look a certain way, you can make a difference and serve. And, you know, anybody can be an armchair quarterback. It's altogether different to say, I, I want to serve gladly, humbly, and, and at times in obscurity. And let me warn you, that kind of serving, this kind of serving that we're talking about this morning, it's messy. It's messy. A lot of people will be serving in a lot of different ways. You know what? We're going to clash. It's going to be messy, and what a great opportunity to see God's grace at work in growing us and in maturing us so we don't pretend to Christianity, but we live Christianity out in our lives in a real way. And it's okay if serving's messy and people make mistakes. Not everything has to be perfect. Let me just abolish that notion. Yes, we want to strive to honor God as much as possible and with excellence and all that we can do, but you know what? It's not all going to be perfect, and we're going to mess up. It means you may not like or agree with everything, and that, that's okay. Serving like this, it teaches us humility. It teaches us how to defer to one another, how to submit to one another, how to, how to die to ourselves and practically put others first is better than ourselves like Jesus did. And, but you know what? Serving this way honors God. That honors God. It glorifies God, and we'll, we'll make his name great. If we're a church full of people who say, it's not about me, it's about the giver of the gifts. I want to draw attention to him and I want to love him through serving. Now, serving doesn't replace loving God, but it's an expression of our love for God. So the third point is the scripture helps us. It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. How in the world can you serve this way? You see, the serving I've been talking about, it's not possible on your own. How do you do it? How do you do it? Well, the scripture helps us. We serve with the enabling strength that he supplies. Our third point this morning, we serve the enabling strength that he supplies. When I was a young man from about 12 years old onwards, I'm, I'm very grateful now, was not as grateful then. I got to work with my dad every summer and every break. My dad worked with heavy equipment and, and he, would, he would grade and clear land and build roads and dig foundations and that kind of stuff. That was his excavation business. And I wasn't very good to begin with and I wasn't very strong to begin with and I would awkwardly use the tools that he gave me to do the job when he first, remember he first put a chainsaw in my hands and I'm 12 and I wasn't very good at it. 
Um, now, he, he taught me safety. Don't freak out. It's okay. Um, I would cut the ground and I'd make the blade dull. Or I'd start to use a saw in a dangerous way and he'd help correct me and help me know how to use it better and more safely. Um, he wanted me to be fruitful in my labors. And so he showed me how to use the tools. He gave me instruction. He equipped me. He made sure I was well fed. I had enough liquids. It's practical in Virginia in the summer, like here in the summer. Although there it's about 60% more humid. So you, you sweat a lot. And so he wanted to make sure I was well fed and cared for and got breaks. I didn't get worn out and I had a strength that I needed. And, and that was really true for all the different tools that I used, whether it was a shovel or a pick or a backpack leaf blower or a dump truck that I, I learned to drive. Um, which was scary thinking about a 12, 13-year-old driving a dump truck. And, on the, but anyway, I wasn't, I wasn't going out on the streets, by the way, so I wasn't breaking the law. Or front-end loader, tobacco, whatever those things were, he, he would give me all those tools that I needed when I needed them as I was able. And then he would show me and enable me to use those things. I didn't know how to use them right away, though. You've been given many different gifts and, and God will continue to give you gifts. The gifts you have are not the only gifts you're going to be given. He's going to continue to give you gifts as your ability increases. So often do the gifts that God gives you. And God as well, he's a, a more loving father than my dad. He's going to show you how to use those gifts. He's going to equip you. He's going to enable you. He's going to make sure you have the strength and ability. It can be scary at times to take a step of faith and say, I feel like I've already got too much going on in my life. I have a busy schedule. and full. God, I can't handle anymore. But what you'll find is you take a step of faith and say, God, I trust you. I want to use these gifts. What he does at those times, he stretches. He increases your capacity. So you'll find that a year down the road, you know what? Oh, my goodness. I thought I could never do that. Now that I've done that, I don't know why I wasn't doing it before. God grew me, and it's wonderful. I think about um, the Sipes. They were, they were with fear and trepidation stepping into the role as care group leaders in the last few months. And... It's just been so cool to see how God has grown them and enabled them and, and just seeing how they're, they are caring and loving in their care group and, and God's enabling them. And I can actually see that in so many different ways and people who, who think, you know what, I, I don't know if I can do that or not. Let me encourage you. God's going to give you strength, it says. By the strength that who supplies? By the strength that God supplies. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We're not ever to serve on our own and our own strength. We're always to serve, relying on, continually trusting in Jesus. Abiding in him. Looking to him. God, and you know what? Sometimes it's really good when we find our place of, ourselves in a place of desperation. Say, God, I, can't, I don't know how to do this. Jesus says, Good. You can trust me now. You can rely on me and I'll give you the strength to do it. We can serve and we can serve wholeheartedly and serve joyfully. And it's that it says we serve joyfully that it gives us strength. You see, God supplying strength. What is that referring to? It's referring to a getting strength from being satisfied in God. We get strength from being satisfied in God, the giver of grace. We're sustained in serving by his delight and strength and satisfaction and rest that we have in God. And there's a quote by John Piper. He says, here, the serving of the saints flows from our getting strength and joy. It flows from our getting strength and joy from God to sustain our serving. So love to God's name means looking to God for satisfaction that can be shared 
with the saints in service. How do we do this? We look to God for satisfaction. We share it with the saints in service. And that's how God strengthens us and gives us joy to serve. If you've ever served in an area that you really hated and you didn't have joy because you had a bad perspective, because things weren't going your way, you will know that it's really hard to do that. And when I've served in those times, and then God changed my heart so I realized, oh, this is an opportunity to love God. And he's changed my perspective. That same area that was hard a week before, it seemed light. And I was able to do it because, because God gave me his grace and I was resting and trusting in him. And, and that's what we're talking about. Living like that, sacrificial living for his sake. And God will give us strength. You see, Jesus ultimately serves us. God supplies our needs. The Holy Spirit enables us. The whole Trinity is involved in strengthening you by His grace. And all of this, all of this it says, look down in your Bibles. Verse 11. In order that in everything, so you have been given gifts of God's grace, or to use them to serve other people, all of that is for that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. That's our, that's our final point in the last few minutes as we close. It's, it's that we serve to glorify God through Jesus Christ. We don't serve to heap accolades on ourselves. You see, to glorify, what, what does that word mean? It means, it means to praise, to extol, to magnify, to celebrate, to honor, to do honor to, to hold an honor, to make glorious, to adorn with luster, to clothe with splendor. We're to serve to glorify God in those ways. We're to glorify God by showing off His goodness, by, by honoring Him with our redeemed and changed lives. And unfortunately, in many circles of the Christian church, serving people replaces savoring and enjoying God. And that's not the kind of service we're talking about. We're talking about serving other people by loving God and enjoying, enjoying God and His gifts. Instead of pointing to God's name, serving others can kind of become this, this mere humanitarianism. As if just serving is the goal. Just serving is not the goal. Serving is good. It's not only the goal. We're to serve so that we point to God's grace. So we point to God's glory. And the fact that He's redeemed us. He's changed us. He's made us new. And don't we want everybody to see the change in our lives because of Him, by His grace, that we're trusting every day. It's not of ourselves. We rely on Him to change us and enable us to serve. And I like the illustration that many people have used before of getting flowers for your wife or taking her out to a nice dinner with just the two of you or doing something nice to bless your spouse sacrificially. But when you do those things, say, you know what, here, I'm giving you these flowers because it's my duty. I'm taking you out to dinner tonight because I really feel like I have to, honey. I'm serving you sacrificially in this way because I've been told that husbands are supposed to love their wives like Jesus does the church and gives their life up because so now I feel like I'm giving my life to you. Here's your flowers. Thanks a lot. It just it seems to lack something, doesn't it? It wouldn't show her honor or show her how glorious she is, and yet sometimes we approach God that way in the church. As if this is our mere duty. This is our drudgery. I'm told I have to lay down my life for one another, so I'm doing that. Now, at times, we have to discipline ourselves to love God, yes. But that's not our motivation. Our motivation is because the love He's loved us with 
And we want to worship him and glorify him and love him in return by serving others. And bring glory to his name. We want to show honor to his name. Another tragedy in the church is when the, the focus on God and his word doesn't lead us to loving each other by serving. We can say we really love God. We can love doctrine. We can love good things. We can know right things. You can know how to do all the right things, to say all the right things, believing rightly. But unless you're serving one another, they're just words. We don't want to be that kind of church. We want to bring a, be a church that brings glory to God's name, that functions in his love by expressing that in service to one another. And then next week by loving the world. We show Christ's love to others when we elevate his name, worship Jesus. Not to serve God as if he needs to be served. Listen to this. Your service to God does not earn something with God. And that's not why we serve. He doesn't need to be served. And in Matthew 20, 26 and 28, it says, Whoever be great among you must be your servant. Whoever be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And what is he saying there? Well, Acts, it explains that he is not served. God is not served by human hands. Wait a minute, I thought this whole message was about serving. Now you see, our serving is it's an expression of our love for God. And we, we serve God in the sense that we're loving Him with our service. But God is not served by human hands as though He needed anything. Since He Himself, listen to this, the reason why you're able to serve, what enables you to serve, why, why it's joyful to serve, says he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. We don't serve to gain favor, impress other people, although his gifts might be impressive. We don't serve to earn his favor. We serve because he's given us his life. He served us. Jesus has served us and he continues to serve us. God serves us. That's astounding. That's why we serve. I love a quote from David Mathis I want to share with you. He says, sacrificial service in the church doesn't start with serving. Hang on, wait a minute. <laughs> sacrificial service in the church doesn't start with serving. It starts with being served by God. That's why we serve. We've been served by God. And he continues to serve us. He says... Then as we are satisfied in him and who he's revealed himself to be in his crucified son, we gladly overflow in service of others. We humans can't give anything to God that he hasn't already given us. Nowhere is this scene clearer than in Jesus himself who came not to be served but to serve. Give his life as a ransom for many. God's already given us his grace. That's good news. We don't earn it through service. We're to point to God as the giver of those very gifts of grace. We're to show off His gifts, to give attention to His saving and enabling grace, to show that we've been changed by Jesus and we want to live for Him now. If we do these things and if we glorify God through serving, here's the amazing thing. It's not just about duty and responding to God and loving Him. There's also rewards. And that, that doesn't even make sense. God gives us the gifts. 
He commands us to use them. We obey him. If, if your children do what you're called them to do, that's really good. But God, like a loving father, he rewards. He rewards us. John 12, 26, he says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. But listen to this. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If you serve God, God honors you. God serves you to enable you to serve him, and then he honors you for what he's enabled you to do. That's amazing. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing... Verse 24, Colossians 3, 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Matthew 10, 42, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. We've been called to serve him with gladness, with joy, that God's changed us. He changed us. He's made us new. He's given us gladness and bestowed his gifts on us so we can use him to glorify and worship him. So what are we to do? Let's give thanks to God for his grace. Thanks to God for his gifts. Look for ways to use his gifts for his glory with joy. In closing, Psalm 102, verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. As we serve him, it's a way that we're singing of his greatness. And we can serve him that way with gladness, knowing he's going to enable you, he's going to sustain you, and he's going to continue to give you his very grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the giver of all good gifts. That you've given varied gifts, different gifts to each and every one of us here. Father, I pray we would be inspired to worship you, to live lives of love to you through serving one another, loving one another practically in that way. Father, I pray that there be no condemnation for areas where we failed, Lord. But I pray that you would, Lord, say that, you know what, I, I want you to, to trust in me and rest in me because my grace is sufficient. So, Father, I pray that we would rest in your sufficient grace. Father, I pray that we would trust in you, Lord, for all those who've been burned in the past and they tried to serve or been burnt out or been misused or used. Lord, I pray that you would give them faith to trust in you, not in people, not in this church, Lord, but to trust in you to step out again and to serve you by your grace and by your enabling and for your glory, Lord, not to receive, not to get accolades. Lord, may we all ask ourselves, God, where would you have us serve today, this week, in the future? In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as you're being dismissed, remember, we have lots of practical opportunities out there to sign up for. Please do that this morning. Please go and sign up for some areas if you are not actively serving an area. And by the way, you can serve in more than one area It's okay. We need that in a church this size. And then if you are interested in serving in evangelism and you would like to help there, go to the hospitality table, sign up for there. We'll let you know this week where that will be on Saturday night. Thank you, and you are dismissed.